October the 12th. It is a truly remarkable day as reflected throughout human history. Early on the morning of October 12th, 1492, a sailor on board the Pinta sighted land. It turned out to be what we now know as the Bahamas. Christopher Columbus took the credit for the discovery and a new era of European exploration then began. On the day of October the 12th, 1775, here in this wonderful country, the U.S. Navy came into existence. On this very same day, in 1966, the Jimi Hendrix experience formed with the addition of Noel Redding and Mitch Mitchell. And of course, this brings me to October the 12th of 2007. On this fateful day, Gundam posted its debut episode. Like so many events, on this day in history, a journey began on a level of which podcast land had never seen. Most of the loyal fans that vehemently support this wonderful piece of mecha anime podcast entertainment know the rather humble beginnings. How the show was nothing more than an idea tossed about during an otherwise unassuming conversation. But what fans, supporters, Ken Masters, Pedal Bears, Otakos, Trolls, and Haters alike do not know is the pain and struggle that has been associated with bringing this show to life episode after episode, week after week, month after adventurous month. Hello everyone, I am Bill Whipton, and this is the untold story of Gundam, past and present. It all started between two men, two gentlemen of which you know by the names of Solbro Ryu and Neo, the blonde ace. Although I do find it funny that he's not always blonde. They were throwing around an idea about presenting a mecha anime podcast. It was an average day. We were chilling. I was having sips of wild turkey. We were in between podcasts because, you know, things fell apart We flipped the script. Certain people on the show weren't listening to proper direction and they had to be dealt with. So it was just Neo and me. And I was, as I said, having sips of wild turkey, enjoying life, listening to my favorite jam. It was a beautiful night. Just a beautiful night for a daily. I mean, it was a beautiful night, though. I kind of enjoyed that shit for some reason. I mean, I could do that shit again. I was watching all my children one day. Beautiful night. Neil wasn't permitted to drink. I don't allow him to do such things. But we were chilling, and then an idea for a new podcast came to mind. What if we did a podcast about guns? 
and I already realized that was already done. So we went for the next best thing. We decided to do a podcast about Gundam. Close, right? All right. I really don't want to talk about this too much because Solbro actually scares the living hell out of me. Um, yeah, the the part with starting the uh, the show, um, a lot of people don't know this, but Solbro is an alcoholic. He drinks a lot. I mean, like a lot. I'm talking like a whole big gallon bottle of um, of uh, like wild turkey. And Solbro also loves guns, and he's got nothing but guns in his house. I mean, this whole thing about like Street Fighter and stuff. He's more into guns than anything. Bill, it ain't no secret. I do love guns, man. The AK-47. I've got Lugas. Walter P-38. Mofo, that's Megatron, son. Megatron. He was a Walter P-38. Of course, I've got plenty of those. James Bond uses that gun, son. You know, he used to shoot all sorts of villains, which I don't condone. So, he would. He just consumed about a half gallon of some wild turkey and was showing me his new, um, his new Beretta when uh, he uh, started playing a uh, Russian roulette told me I had to join. Man, I do love that game. I've been on Milton Bradley's ass to make a home game for kids for Russian Roulette. You know, good old-fashioned Magnum, one bullet, spin the chamber. Kids would have a blast, literally. Then all of a sudden things got kind of, I didn't want to do it, and things went to the worse. So he drank a little bit more, shoved me up against the wall, put the gun in my mouth and said, hey, you want to do a mecha podcast? Yeah, that's how it ended up happening. Not long after the first couple of posts... Something changed. There was a wonderful addition to this revolutionary show. It was the addition of Mr. Chris Guanche. Here now, the gentleman involved in bringing everything to life discuss how everything came to be. Gundam Wing? Well, homie, that show is off the chain, baby. Oh, my God. That's one of the greatest animes ever made next to Evangelion. And uh, when I heard about this dude talking shit about one of my favorite shows i had to go to his website and study up on this cat and although he knew his mecca backwards and forwards i saw potential in this cat and i knew i had to do whatever it took to get him on the show in in terms of chris joining the show the only thing i really remember is um solbro used to hate his reviews of gundam wing and stuff and and seed and uh, he he thought that you know chris was just being a real bitch with uh, bandai and sunrise so, um, I, I don't know why this is, but Silver is a very confrontational person, and he likes to instill his will on people. I do have a special way with people. So he called me up one day and said, hey, you know that jerk-off, and this is quote, his words, not mine. Hey, you know that jerk-off Chris that runs MAHQ? I'm going to get that bastard on, and we're going to tear his ass apart, because I hate what he says about these Gundam shows. Jerk-off? Well, that's not really my style. I prefer Jackwagon. November 21st, 2007. No less an important day than October 12th. This, the 325th day of the year, was a joyous and intriguing day for so many. However, it was a day of oppression and duress for at least one. I've never told anyone this story before, and I'm kind of scared to, but... uh... You know, I really want the truth to be out because people need to know what's going on and it's not it's not all roses like they all think. See, it all started back in 2007. I got this, this email from this guy called Soul Bro Ryu. I first sent Chris an email. It was elegantly worded and I tried to put on my best impression 
when I made first contact with Chris, I knew there was no way he could sleep on my proposal. Yeah, I saw he copied me on the first couple rounds of emails. Um, some of the most vile and threatening things I've ever seen, by the way. And it was a very forceful and demanding email saying that he wanted me to be on a podcast. And he said, you know, you're going to email me back and you're going to email me right now, bitch. And, you know, I thought it was just really rude. So I, I just deleted the email and ignored it. But, um, you know, then somehow uh, he got my, my IM screen name, which I don't really give out to people. So I don't know how he got it, but uh, he he said stuff. He started harassing me like, like, oh, you think you're too damn good to answer your email, bitch? So so I blocked him. And a few days later, I got this phone call from a from an unknown number on my caller ID. So I answer it, and this this guy he says he says to me on the on the phone, bitch, ain't nowhere on this fucking world you can hide from me. And and I was like, who who is this? This is motherfucking soul, bro. What you say about that email, huh? I was like, listen, man, I, I don't want anything to do with you. Please just leave me alone. Just leave me alone. Stop harassing me. I think finally it came down to um, one night on a drinking binge. Uh, soul bro uh, said, hey, you want to go to Miami? I'm like, not really. Now, Chris was being a bit stubborn. I don't understand what I said to him that made him turn down my offer. But I figured it was time we had a face-to-face so that he understood where I was coming from. So I went to bed, and then about four in the morning, I hear this, this loud sort of explosion because um, somebody busted down my door, just shooting right through it with a, a sawed-off shotgun. And, and I don't even get out of my, my bedroom door. And Solbro, he's there with, with this guy who looked kind of nervous named uh, Neo. And he grabbed me by the neck and he slammed me against the wall. And he said, Cracker, you're going to be on this motherfucking podcast right now. So he found Chris. We showed up at his door four hours later. And he basically just pushed uh, Chris in a corner and said, hey, look, you're on our show. A man hasn't lived until he's endured his first pistol weapon. I'm glad I could provide that experience for Chris. I was like, okay, man, okay, just don't shoot me, please. Don't, don't, don't shoot me, man. I'll do whatever you want. I'm sorry I ignored you. And... Just to prove that he was serious about his threats, he set my fucking dog on fire. I gotta give credit for that to Dio Brando from Joseph's Bizarre Adventure. I saw him pull that in the first series. I never seen a Labrador move so fast. And he said, This is gonna happen to you if you don't play along. And then he ate all of my food and left. Dude had some stale Cheerios and some day old Chinese. What am I supposed to do with that? What kind of food is that for your guest? And then we left. I think we got Taco Bell before we went home, though. Or maybe Cracker Barrel. I can't really remember. The Chalupas were banging. Pass those biscuits, Bill. And that's how it started. I'm sorry. I, I just... I try not to think about that because it was so traumatizing, but... It just haunts me in my nightmares. Because I don't dream. I just have nightmares. Every night. I'm so broke. I'm sorry. I, can we talk about something else now? Gundam... Double O. It was a new take on a noble franchise. New characters and a fairly new direction as to where the plot was going and even how the mechs were used. There was also the character of one Mr. Saji Crossroad. 
Saji Crossroad, within this first year of the uh, of the existence of Gundam, became a lot larger a character than would have otherwise been noted. There was even the theory of the Arthurian legend being worked into such a show and such a character. Solbro seemed quite convicted of this, and the other members of the show would express on varying levels of annoyance how much they disagreed with this theory. Here now, our consistent hosts recall and express everything surrounding the Saji Crossroad Club. We all know it as the Saji Crossroad Crew. The Arthurian legend and what was really on the minds of the, of the members of the show. Oh, Saji. That's right. When I was watching Double Low, I took quite a sight to this guy because it reminded me of all the pussies that I've met in this world. I figured that our listeners of our show would relate most to him, so why not take advantage of that? Because, you know, Saji, he's so weak-willed and has no backbone that I thought that I would just try to hype him up to make the listeners feel good, get him in the palm of my hands. So I told Chris and Neo that they should go ahead and try to poop on Saji so that they would be hated on the show while I would be lauded as I'd be championing his cause. That's right. I, I use King Arthur because he's a mythological hero. And so I thought I would hype up Saji in the same way just to get their support. Why else would I hype up that douche? Mind games, Bill. Lelouch 101, man. Some of you out there may recall a bit of a delay between some of the earlier episodes. Specifically, episodes 12 and 13 had a, had a delay of over one month. Fans at the time grew in concern and anticipation of the next utterly revolutionary verbal tour de force that Gundam was starting to deliver on a regular basis. I myself, an avid listener, was also looking forward to the next exhibition. At the time, I was at Columbia University in New York, attending the award ceremony for the Japan-U.S. Friendship Commission Prize for the Translation of Japanese Literature. I still remember my conversations with Mr. Anthony H. Chambers that day, one of the recipients. However, down here in Central Florida, the, the doings were not quite as sociable. Here, the gentlemen involved discuss the cause of the delay. So there was this one-month delay with the episodes, and uh, you know, a lot of people were asking us, like, what happened? What's going on? What's the next episode? And you know, there was nothing that, that me or Neil could say because Solbro had just disappeared in this gambling boat. When we went down to Miami to persuade Chris how important it was for him to join the show, I met his boy Dennis, the cultured journalist, and uh, we made fast friends, man. Later on that year, we decided to hit the Chitlin Circuit and head to the deep down south to the bayou and jump on one of those gambling ships down there I always heard about, man. You know, he didn't say where he was going to be or for how long. And, you know, it was just really upsetting because he would constantly demand to know where we were at all times. And he would be texting us like literally every five minutes. And if you didn't respond within 30 seconds of receiving a text then you were really in for it had my boys on round the clock shifts blowing up chris's phone that's right what made it even better is chris didn't have a texting plan so his bill at the end of the month was ridiculous 
keeping these guys on their toes. I told you I wasn't going to let him sleep. But he would never tell us where he was or what he was doing. So he just had us in this iron grip. We had a blast, son. And Palpatine showed up, boy, and we got our drink on, son. All the, all the folks were there, man. Captain Morgan, Johnny Walker. That's right, Bailey too, man. He was there. McCutcheon, Jamison, all the players. And we can't forget my boy Jack Daniels. The emotional wounds suffered by Neo through this ordeal still reverberates today. Here, Neo explains. I'm starting to really be uncomfortable talking about this stuff, but as long as as long as this isn't going to get me in trouble. The thing with the delays, in addition to his um, his rabid alcoholism, Solbro is a rabid gambler, and he went on one of those uh, casino boats. And I guess he hit. He hit. He was on a streak. Ever since we signed with Petco and GoDaddy, man, we've been making that Skrilla. So I took it all to the ship, man. We had a good time at the tables and at the strip clubs, too. The ladies of the Chitlin Circuit were delicious. You know, when he just disappeared, you know, I should have felt relieved that this horrible man was out of my life for a month. But instead, I just felt fear and, and longing because he had beaten and whipped literally me and neo into this state of of adoration for him it was kind of like a like a cult or or like stockholm syndrome and you know we just felt so blind and rudderless without him being around to abuse and manhandle us at every turn and it's just it's a bad time i mean I just didn't know what to do. I would just sit there in front of my computer screen all day just waiting to see if there might be an email from him or to see if maybe he read my email. And, you know, I was just texting him, you know, hundreds of times a day. And this is nothing. It's like my whole world just ceased to exist with, with him just being gone like this, even though he's just such a terrible guy. Somehow, based on his connections that he has with people that I'm not really going to talk about because they could hurt you. Um, Solbro managed to stay on this boat for two weeks, gambling away on blackjack because he was on hell of a run. Now, from what he said, at one point he was up 1.2 million. He came back with about 50,000, but I don't know. I don't know if that's even really the case. Personally, I think it's got something to do with weapons. You know, when, when he finally came back and, and was bragging about having all this money, it's just like... You know, the sun came back into my life, and I felt so happy again and just so eager for, for him to start insulting me and threatening me because everything in a sort of sick, twisted way felt like it was right again. You know what I mean? I don't know. This is how I felt. Robert Downey Jr., an infinitely talented thespian, a man that has come to face his demons in ways that the average man can most certainly relate. He overcame the adversity and the self-inflicted wounds of which he had suffered. And in 2008, we were all, as fans of film, we were all blessed with the chance to actually go and to partake in the film known as Iron Man. Based, of course, off of the Marvel comic, Mr. Downey Jr., played the role of Tony Stark, a role that may, as time goes on, come to define his charisma in film, and also to an extent the demons involved in, in his life and his history. 
the kind gentleman at Gundam felt it prudent to discuss the film and to really just talk about not only the entertainment but the poignancy of the material. However, we may all recall that within the first year of Gundam, the Iron Man segment did not make it to post. Here now, the wonderful cast of Gundam reflects on the real reason why Iron Man never made it to an episode of Gundam until season three. As it's known, I collect Iron Man comics. I've been a real um, fan like for a long, long time. And people don't know this, but Solbro picks all the topics and we do what he wants to say. And a lot of times it's things he just does it because he just wants to piss off other people. But I think he was really hung over and drunk one day. And I said, why don't we do Iron Man movie? That was a pretty cool movie. And, um, you know, so I don't think he was really thinking about what was happening. After we toured the rest of Down South and Straight Talk Express, that's right, I jacked it. Dennis Palpatine and I returned to our respective homes. And I came back a little twisted for the Iron Man segment. I even brought Robert Downey Jr. with us, man. He sat down with us and talked about the movie, his impressions and such. And we had a good rap session with that cat about the movie, man. Maybe a little bit too good. The fellas, they were coming out their shells. And I just wasn't going to have that. I just institutionalized Chris. And I already, if I already had Neo on lock, I couldn't risk him getting backbones and stepping up. The segment had to go. A lot of people have asked us over the years about what happened with Iron Man and... Uh... You know, for, for the sake of our lives and, and for Soul Bro's public persona, who, who he, uh, he jokingly calls Mr. Happy Pants. So whenever he says, it's time to be Mr. Happy Pants, that's when he puts on this persona of being, you know, this jolly, lovable guy. But, um, you know, that's, that's just not the way he is. And, you know, for Iron Man, we had to come up with this whole story and say that, you know, there were, like, technical issues and... You know, he even told me, like, you know, you have to take the fall for this and say that it was your fault because you deleted the recording, even though I didn't do anything. And, you know, the real reason that that, uh, that Iron Man never happened until he chose to make us do it again two years later was that um, we recorded this segment and it was, it was actually really good. And we were both, me and Neil were both really proud and we're like, man, wasn't that a great segment? We got done doing this this um, this review of the Iron Man movie, and we we're actually pretty proud of it because we were still kind of new at doing this, and it sounded pretty okay. And then all that we heard in the background was just this laughing, this awful, awful laughing. And I, I, I just dared to ask, what What's so funny, sir? What's wrong? What's did, did, did we say something? And he and he just said to us, "Hey, bitches." Wonder what I'm laughing about? I'm laughing about how I'm deleting this segment so that no one ever hears it. So bro got up, belched, farted, and said, you know what? You know what I think about that segment we just did? Do you hear my computer deleting it, bitches? All because you're proud of it. And whatever you like, I'll stomp on. Because I want you to feel like the lowest shit on this earth. And... I, I never, you know, even like my friends, I, I never told anyone because I was just so scared because, you know, he said that if he ever got any hint that I was telling anyone about our business, that um, he would mess them up. So, you know, I've just been suffering in silence all these years. But, you know, that's that's what happened with Iron Man. And that's that's the real story, no matter what anybody says. 
Yeah, he's a bastard. You know, behind the scenes, I got nicknames for Chris and Neo. Chris, I call Cy Argyle, and Neo, well, he gets the honor of being rivals. Carmond. That's right, they're both bitches. And it's my job to keep it that way. Megacon. As in Mega Convention. Here in Orlando, Florida, Megacon blesses the populace either in late February or early March of each year. In the 2008 edition of Megacon, the very first live panel hosted by Gundam came into existence. It was a rousing success. But what really went into the dealings to bring us such a wonderful experience at such a reputable convention? Soulbro here explains how everything came into play. Otaku have always been easy marks for me, and that's why I love MegaCon. I haven't gone every year, but when I do go, I make the most of it. I get all this swag for people who are buying stuff at the dealer's table. I don't even ask, I just take it. The sexy ladies that come dressed in cosplay will always find a closet somewhere and have some fun. You won't believe the kind of women that show up at these things. Dress half naked. It don't take much to get those clothes off. The parties at the hotel rooms, the orgies, it's nuts, son. And I make the most of it. So, of course, once we got Gundam off the ground, we had to get things rolling on getting a permanent place at MegaCon. Convincing committees of whoever was in charge to make this happen. And I was the man to do it. Well... I've always gone to MegaCon and I liked it. And Solbro actually boycotted for five years because he didn't like some of the ways that they did some of the things there. And I think mainly it was because they weren't serving drinks. I think that's basically what it comes down to. It was a dark time when I went to MegaCon and I got caught with a little bit of Jack Daniels on me. And they kicked me out the con. So I boycotted for five years and made recompense with all the people who ran the convention at the time. I'll spare you the details. But they got the message that I wasn't pleased. After my five-year hiatus, I finally went back, brought my jack, and got no complaints. Well, we found out where Anime Sushi, where they met. So once again, Soul Bro, me and Soul Bro and his best friend, Wild Turkey, we, uh, we get into a car and we go over there. So we went to go see some of our friends at Anime Sushi. We knew they had the inside track on getting in on this gig. And I brought my boy Smith and Wesson to make sure my request was heard clearly. Solbro actually walks in to, you know, their little house where they show all their anime and stuff. Kicked over the projector. Got kind of sick because we had Burger King on the way over. And threw up on their floor and said, hey, we're in Megacon. And this is how it works. This is, a, this is our contact information. And we left. Then we went to a strip club. That was kind of cool, though. But he's a dick. I, wait, I didn't say that. You're cutting that out, right? Chris, with additional comments. Well, you know, Megacon 2008, that was a really uh, interesting time because it was, uh, you know, the second time that I, I saw Sobro, although publicly the story we told people was that this was the first time we met because um, he, he made it very clear that, um, you know, if I or Neo or anyone did anything to defy the public image that he likes to project on the show of being a happy, jovial guy, that um, he would hurt our families. So this was part of the cover that uh, this panel would be the first time we all met, even though it was just a lie, but nobody knew that. And um, you know, there were some issues with uh, Anime Sushi and Megacon because um, Sobro, he, 
he demanded all of these all of these writers uh, for our panel. I mean, he he demanded pounds and pounds of chilled hams. These cats tried to bring me boar's head. I don't do it with nothing less than Smithfield, son. I'm not taking no shorts. He wanted bottle after bottle of Grey Goose vodka, and you know he just kept demanding more and more things. As soon as as soon as you know they they just begrudgingly gave us one thing, he would demand something else, and you know. We were just doing a panel about Gundam, but he wanted to he wanted to do all this private backstage uh, judging of all of the female cosplay uh, contestants, and you know he just demanded all of these adult devices, but wouldn't say what they were for. He said it was all for research and podcasting, and oh yeah, the ladies, I had to show them some of my cool devices. I don't know. I think I think he was threatening them too because he just made so many crazy demands that I have no idea how it is that they accepted any of it except for in fear of their lives. Anime sushi could not be reached for comment. That was, you know, just a really scary time because um, you know, every night he would uh, you know, come to my hotel room and just bust through the door at 2 a.m. And he would wake me up, and I would just be like so scared. And I would say, "What, what, what can I do for you, Sobro? What, what do you want? It, it, what can I get for you? Can I help you with something?" He would just look at me with this sort of like maniacal grin in his face, and he'd just start laughing insanely. He's like, "Nah, man, I just want to keep you on your toes, sleep tight." And then he would leave. I had to make the young man feel welcome. It's not often I get to see Chris since we live in different cities. I torture Neil all the time, but Chris, I savored that mess when it happens. He did all three nights, just randomly appear somewhere, just just to, I don't know, just to keep me in a, a state of terror. You might as well call this hotel room Elm Street, because I was bringing those nightmares every night. It really just was a frightening time, and you know, I was, I was crying the whole way back, driving by myself, because it was a terrible experience, and that's when I started to come to hate Orlando. You're welcome, Chris. You're welcome. As the first year ended, I was invited for the anniversary episode. I, myself, am still infinitely grateful for having the opportunity to sit down and have a conversation with some great young men. Year one wound down to an end, and year two started at an incredibly quick pace. When we come back, year two of the Gundam Odyssey. I am Bill Whipton, and this is Gundam at MAHQ. From a time long ago, in a basement far away, there comes a time when there's only one hero to protect us all. From the trolls, warranted and unwarranted. Is it him? Against Gundam Sea Destiny. It appears destiny is firmly on my side. What? There stands a man who alone will defend the honor of said show for all to enjoy. You're something that shouldn't have been allowed to exist, boy! Just shut up! His name rings out and is like curses. To those evil to yours. If people learned of your existence, they would want to be just as you are! That name 
This fall on WSBR, your home for DVR hits. Wow, this is pretty cool. I am Mr. Bill Whipton. In the previous segment, we talked about the inception of the show and the interaction with our hosts of this wonderful podcast. The show has, of course, taken on some guests. These guests have contributed greatly towards the content of the show and thus ever expanded the conversations among our mecha anime fans. First off, we'd like to bring up the acquisition of Mr. Peter La Liberté, our friendly pedal bear to the north. Ah, pedal bear north. Such an interesting way by which he acquired that uh, that phrase. Here now, Peter La Liberté. So yeah, Sobro approached me one day, offered me this position on his show. I said, hey, sure, why not? But the thing is, he said that my character is going to be somebody who's into little girls. And I'm like, whoa, man, back off. I'm not into that kind of stuff. He's like, too bad. You're on out. Well, you know, the thing about Solbro is that um, kept going on and on about international fame and making the show international and having international appeal. But all he ever mentioned was Canada. And he never mentioned any other country ever. He just kept going on about Canada and Canada and Canada. And eventually I started to think, did he know of any other countries in the world at all aside from Canada? So, you know, he's he, he's telling me that he's come up with this this character for, for Peter to play of this pedal bear, which I knew must have been really difficult for Peter because it's so opposite from what he was. And... And Solbro knew that, and he took so much joy from from the pain that that Peter felt of being branded as the pedal bear North. But I try to fight him, but you know that Solbro, he'll go to any length to get what he wants. He tried to hack into my computer system. He said he was going to upload all this child pornography onto that, and then call the cops on me if I didn't do what he said. Oh so, well, what, what's the guy supposed to do when faced with that? So I had to agree. He said he wanted to, somebody to represent everything that is horrible and wrong with the anime fan of the day. So I had to be all into this Bowie crap and all this other stuff. I mean, that's totally not what I'm into, but I had no choice, like I said. He would just laugh about it and laugh about it like, look at that chump from the north. I'm bending him to my will and making him my little bitch like he is. That's what he said, and he would just laugh and laugh and... You know, and say, look at everyone calling him the pedal bear on the threads. They're all a bunch of idiots. They don't know what the reality really is. And if they did, I'd kill all you motherfuckers. He said that to me one time, and 
you know, I, I needed a breather after that because even though I'm so used to him constantly threatening my life, you know, sometimes the danger just really flares up when he gives you that that crazy look and he's got the the fire of a thousand burning suns in his eyes. Now me, I'm really into those foxy mamas, you know? Those ladies with the big ample breasts, you know? That's what I'm into, but I, I couldn't I couldn't act like that, you know? So out of fear of what Sobero would do to me. But the problem is, it kind of had that effect anyways, you know? Now I got this big reputation as being some sort of pedophile, so whenever I try to see a hot milf walking down the street, and I try to strike up a little conversation with her, she thinks I'm after her kids. I mean, I'm getting hot blocked so hard here. Yeah, I'm, I feel for Peter because it's so hard for him, and he's had so many negative consequences from, from doing this, but... That was the, the price he had to pay for being on the show and sharing his knowledge of Super Robot Wars, so it's a tough life. I, I haven't gotten the action for so long, I can't stand it. I mean, I'm at my breaking point here, but Sobro, he's just can't do anything. He's such a slave grabber, you know? If I speak out of line, he slaps me across the face. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just, none of this is true, but I can't come out in the open with it or else Sobro will kill me. So, uh, when do we start recording? Peter, Pedro. Two names. However, they do amount to about the same name, just just reaching across two languages. The aforementioned Pedro Bear North, and of course Pedro is Pedro Bear South. Pedro, the diehard Giren Lagan fan, almost to a level that might even be a bit unhealthy, did become Pedro Bear South. Here now, Mr. Pedro Cortez himself. Well, you see, back in the day, um, I started uh, hanging around a certain individual, and uh, I was reading some of these books. I don't know, you might have heard it. It's called Yellow or Fake. Well, you know, it, it's kind of funny how, how it is that Pedro became um, Pedal Bear South, because, uh, again, uh, as Adam likes to do with, uh, with every guest, uh, he likes to toy with them and, and treat them like they're his little playthings. You know, he demanded uh, a price of Peter to come onto the show of being uh, this, like, lolly freak. And he made uh, a similar demand of Pedro. You know, one of them was that Pedro had to love Garen Lagan, which was so far from the truth because, you know, he doesn't even like robot shows. Especially not super robot shows. He hates them. And uh, this whole idea of being a, a pedo bear who likes lollies is so far away from what uh, Pedro is if you actually knew what... Uh, what he was like in person, but I'm sure he could tell you more about that much better than I could. You know, I kind of like, you know, I like the slight, you know, slight builded men, you know, they really do me really, really well. And uh, I was kind of interested in getting involved in podcasting, and I got dragooned into getting involved with this Gundam. I'd never heard of them before. I mean, some fine gentlemen, really. But I, I was told that, listen, watch something called Girl Lagan, and it's such a dreadful show. But, you know, if I wanted to be in, I mean, I had to like it, so I forced myself, and I watched it several times just so I could remember everybody. And, I mean, there's that fine man named, you know, named Kamina, but after he dies, really, the show goes down the wayside. I mean, I mean, who would watch it after that? But, yeah, I started watching it, and I got involved, and I still don't really like it, but at least I get to podcast with you guys, and it's great. It's just I'm forced to watch these dreadful robot shows. I mean, I just, I just, oh, I can't really stand them. I'm really more into things like Takai no Chi and, you know, more of these manly men, you know? They're, they're really nice, but, oh, I mean, whatever I can to be able to be involved with you guys. A special thank you to Senor Cortez. 
as he was quite busy during the time of this recording. Muchas gracias, Senor Cortez. Florida International University. A fine establishment for higher learning in South Florida. In times past, this wonderful campus has been the site of Yasumi-kan. Such was the case in 2008. It was in this year, this first weekend in August, that the Gundam crew, if you will, hosted another panel. It would be their second panel. I myself, I was not able to, to attend, but it was more so voluntary. I found myself not traveling for once. Instead, I stayed in my own private Abawaku, assembling my Master Grade MSN04 Sazabi with the metal coating. As I was applying the water slide, uh, the water slide decals, I did wonder how everything was going down in South Florida. Here now, our faithful hosts recall the inception and the experience of Yasumikan 2008. Yasumikan 2008, this is a weird thing because this is when uh, Solbro was really into Rick Ross and uh, he grew the Rick Ross beard and started doing the, uh, the whole the shades thing. And you know, uh, Rick Ross is from Miami. And Solbro said to me one day, who's more Rick Ross than Rick Ross? Me. So it came to our light that Chris had visited the Yasumi-Con a couple times and um, he was like, look, I'm coming down to Miami to tear that shit up. And these are his words. And uh, I was like, oh man, uh, I don't know. And uh, I, I know Chris had secretly you know, responded to me in text. He's like, you can't have this monster come back down to Dade County. I'm like, I know. Well, you know, the, the whole thing about Yasumi-Con, it's, it's, it's kind of funny how that happened because, uh, you know, I've been part of that convention for years and... Uh, I've been doing a panel every year ever since 2003, and um, Solber decided that he wanted to uh, take a little vacation down to Miami and uh, crash the party. And it was never supposed to be a Gundam panel; it was just supposed to be MHQ, like it always was. But um, the first day of the convention, uh, Solber he came down and he met with the convention chair Edwin, and um, you know, the very first word he just started attacking this guy and saying, you know, this is a shit con, this is the worst con I've ever seen, and how dare you call yourself a man, and, uh, you know, he was just tearing this guy to shreds while he's trying to do his job. Solbro, in his own way, walked in, and, uh, I don't know how Chris is telling this stuff, but, um, we went to the first day of, um, Yasumi Con, and, um, basically, Solbro said, uh, who's leading this thing? I want to know. And uh, Solbro took us to uh, a friend of his, Edwin, and he said, "Yeah, this, this this is the guy that's you know in charge of running Yasumi-Con. What does Solbro do? He takes Edwin by the collar, and uh, we're in a building that's like about three stories on the campus of FIU, and we walk up to the roof, and Solbro dangled him from the edge of the roof and said, "Look, this is not MHQ, this is Gundam, and who's Gundam? Me." And uh, yeah, that's kind of how it went down and I'm kind of glad he doesn't think he's Rick Ross anymore but those were some bad times I don't know why he idolizes that guy but he does 
he said that he wanted a panel right now for for Gundam, and uh, Edwin kindly tried to tell him that uh, that wasn't possible. But then um, Solbro he revealed his gambit, and he said that um, he had strategically planted a bunch of child pornography throughout the dealer's room at uh, various booths, and that um, if Edwin didn't give him a panel that um, you would have people, I, I don't know who, I don't know who these people are because you, you know they're there but you never see them. That's the scary part. They're always there. Always. Now Bill, this should go without saying, but I fancy myself the Suge Knight of podcasting. I don't put up with small time, man. It's Big Pippin here on Gundam. So if I had to pimp slap Edwin around a little bit, it's just me showing him respect. Showing him he's capable of more than what he thinks he is. Sure enough, he brought the hook up. He might have had to rob a bank to do it, but he got it done. My man. In essence, if he didn't get the panel, he would have those people uh, reveal that child porn, and then the police would be called in to arrest everyone for selling child porn. And naturally, as the convention chair, Edward would be arrested for allowing the sale of child porn. And uh, that's what Solbro does. He always, you know, he... He just laughs at the law and he breaks the law all the time but when it's convenient for him he'll threaten you with the law and try to scare you with it so this was totally up his alley to do this sort of thing and uh you know then on top of that it's a free convention so we don't really have much in the way of money but being in a position of strength he demanded a hotel room at the hilton and again he's just asking for all of these writers you know it was beyond chilled hands i mean he wanted he wanted sushi flown in from Japan. He wanted strippers. And he wanted hookers. And I mean, he was even more so than Megacon. He just went totally nuts. That Edwin's a young G in the making. He went ahead and got creative with the shit, man. Not only did he bring the sushi and the women, he got barely legal naked Japanese schoolgirls wheeled in on platters with sushi laid out all over their bodies. Now that's ingenuity. He said he wanted a, uh, a per diem so that he could go to the Mikasuki Casino and just blow it all there. And then after that, go to the Seminole Hard Rock and blow even more money there. And then on top of that, he wanted blow too. So he just went all out and he pretty much bankrupted that convention for like the next 10 years. My visit to Yasumikon made headlines in the otaku community. I'm glad I could make it such a historical visit. So, you know, I, I faced a lot of heat after that for... for letting him come down and I, I was told you know how could you let this monster come in and destroy everything that was built up and, and you're a horrible weak-willed pathetic excuse for a human being i really thought harder hard about my life and, and my choices up to that point and i just lamented my uh, my my sad place in, in uh, society and my status as a prisoner of Solbro. dale roush in many ways, a tortured soul. Though he is not a regular voice on Gundam, his role is still equally important. And unfortunately, he has not been able to escape the long-reaching arm of Solbro Rio himself. It started leading up to Megacon, and it culminated at Yasumikon 2008. Here now, Dale Rausch, in his words. Regarding Megacon of last year, my account with Adam is as different as can be expected from anyone. Um, it all started when I wasn't even planning on going, and I got a call 
about 3 a.m. in the morning, with him threatening to bang down my door and take my woman if I didn't show up there. So I had to jump in the car and drive as fast as I could because I know how he can be if you disobey him or cross him in any way. So I made sure I was there early enough for the panel. And when the panel started, he puts on a different side of things. It's you know, The audience doesn't see this side. The fear that he imposes on everyone else at the panel. It's all the smiles. And after the panel, we headed back to the hotel and I'd found my room was completely trashed. He'd obviously gotten there before me, broken down the door and taken everything of value. Uh, I'm not even actually allowed to stay at that hotel anymore because of him. This now, I do hope, may lend a little more justification behind the nickname Silent Beetle. During the final two minutes of the Yasumi Khan panel, we Gundam listeners were introduced to hate on a level of which we had never experienced. That's wait, good. wait, wait, wait. We got the hater right here. Come on down. We got to have some goodbye comments from the hater. Oh, it, give us give us some some uh, some mecha hate. This is Austin, <laughs> the uh, panel director from Yasumicon. Give us some hate. The biggest bitch ever in the world, Suzaku. Oh! Man, I wish we could only, have Suzaku. Only, only second to Saji. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Most useless Gundam pilot ever, Shin Asuka. Oh! Have a debate on this. Oh, I want you on it. I want you on it. A waste of ink and paper. <laughs> oh, digital. Oh, you can't beat your boy Rivals, though. Oh, That's man. The man. Rivals is just as worse. No, man. Rivals is great stuff. He would man. probably do better in Gundam Sea Destiny. Saji Crossroad. <laughs> and Saji Crossroad. Man, it's a classic. Oh, Saji that crying bitch. He has no place. <laughs> Yeah, no place in the world. <laughs> All right, we're gonna that that we're gonna end this panel with a load of hate. Thanks a lot, Austin. Let's hear it for Austin. Mr. Austin Blake was handed a microphone, though his remarks were incredibly brash and quite original at that. This was the work of some preparation. There was an agenda. Here now, Mr. Austin Blake, his comments. Look, guys, I don't know what you guys are talking about, but no one's stronger than me in anything. I've always been this type of hater. I'm my own hater. I'm my own man. You know, I I, I, I hate because I want to hate, not because Adam makes me hate. It's ridiculous. So you wanted about Austin. Well, you know, that's, that's kind of a complicated thing because uh, the thing about Adam is that, um, I mean, I'm not racist or anything, and I don't want to sound racist, but... He's a really angry black man, you know, and and he's just like, he hates white people so much, and uh, you know, he he he's sort of a conflict because you know he he hates white people and everyone, but especially white people. He just hates everyone, and he really wants to express his hatred, but um, he knows that that's an obstacle for um, for being popular. Oh hell, who am I kidding? Adam's a monster. He made me do things I didn't want to do. I really like Xbox. I think it's one of the best systems ever. I love the 360. I don't mind sending it out to the shop to get fixed. You know, every every six months. I like that downtime for my Xbox. I love I love playing I I love playing Halo. You know, and every expansion pack they come out with it. I I love giving my sixty dollars for that. It's I feel like Microsoft, oh, I owe Microsoft that, you know? You know, he said to me one day, hey, you think that cat Obama wants to talk like a white man? That motherfucker 
if he could, he go to all the Republicans and be like, yo, you motherfuckers, you sign this motherfucking bill right now, or I'll cap your fucking asses. But he knows that he can't be president like that, so he's got to be nice. I gotta do the same thing. Me and Vic are best friends. Adam's a monster, he doesn't want me to talk to him anymore. I feel so bad, I'm so sorry, Vic. <laughs> I gave him the sandwich, because he asked me to buy it. Adam made me concoct that story. I miss my friend. <laughs> So he uh, has all this rage that he just constantly takes out on all of us, and he decided that it was time to have a, uh, a mouthpiece for his rage to uh, be the public expression of all the things that, um, that he wants to hate but can't. And he figured that um, he would let Austin be that person and fulfill the stereotype of the angry black man. I really hate PS3. <laughs> it's just too damn advanced. Too many things going on in the system. I don't need that. I'd rather pay for my online. Oh. Oh. <laughs> if you talk to Austin ever, you, you'd see that he's not at all like this caricature that, uh, that Solbro forces him to perform. And it's just another example of Solbro. He, he treats us all like we're just puppets dancing on strings that he's hugging for his own amusement. And... That's the sad truth of Gundam more than anything I could ever say about anything. Adam yells at me during podcasts in between commercials. He makes me say the things I say. Gives me lines. Yes, the podcast is scripted. He's a monster that needs to be stopped. When I went to Megacon last year, the man hit me during one of the podcasts. And he threatened the entire audience if they say anything online that he would go over there and hit them too. He's a horrible man. I really do like Street Fighter. He's the one that hates it, but he doesn't want people to know that. <laughs> I think Capcom's one of the best companies ever. <laughs> I put them in the same rankings of Namco Bandai and Capcom and Microsoft. Those are my three favorites. <laughs> I can't even look myself in the mirror anymore because of this crap going on. <laughs> oh. I keep on telling myself that one day he'll change and I can be the person I want to be. But I don't, don't know if that can ever happen. <laughs> I love War Orphans. Adam's the one that hates them. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. So, Well, Bill, I was wondering when you were finally going to get to my personal chicken, George. Yes, yeah, when I met Austin. He, he, was, he was clay that needed to be molded. He had liked too many things. I saw too much hope and wonderment in his eyes. And love, that had to go. And I helped to weed that out of him by making him the vessel of my discontent. That's right, Austin is a puppy. And I make him call me Geppetto. And thus began the reign of Solbro's mouthpiece for his true feelings and opinions. Many of you out there have heard plenty of conversation and banter among the hosts concerning one guarantee. This also happened at Yasumi-Khan. It is a good show to start off with. Just like Gundam Wing is a good starter show, Double O is an excellent series, and it's unlike any other Gundam series beforehand. You don't have to have any aforementioned knowledge of Gundam to watch that show. You'll love the show. You'll love the characters in that show the most, I guarantee it. And it's... it's, mm, it's Guarantees, huh? That's right, man. Wow. I'll put, my, I'll put my honor and stake. I'll stake it on that. That's right. And you end up hating it, and then I'll look <laughs> like a fool. But that's all right. That's all right. But so no, it's, so, it's a, so, it's so what is your guarantee? Their money back? Their money back if they don't like it? I'll give us a pocket lint. Okay. 
Are you going to give them uh, free pizza from Saji Crossroach? Oh, man, straight from the oven. From King Arthur himself? You know, Neo recalls the events. You know, um, back when uh, Solbro was having these things with, uh, you know, he was thinking he was Rick Ross and stuff, and, you know, he used to go around everybody and say, you know, like, if you don't like this, I guarantee it, or whatever, and he was guaranteeing everything, and he's basically the way that <clears throat> that Solbro did it was... Um, if you don't agree with his guarantee, he's just going to kick your ass. And uh, I remember the first time he said it. He's like, you know what? I don't even like Gundam Double O, but you know what? I know there's fools that think it's the best, and I know there's fools that think it's the worst. So I'm going to put a guarantee out there. If you, I guarantee you like this. If you like Gundam or if you like mecha anime, and I was like, no, man, don't do that, because you know some people, you know, it's not for everyone. And he's just like, no, no, I'm liking it. So everybody's going to like this. He's like. I got you and Chris. You guys, you do what I have to say. And and you do the things that, that I tell you to do. And you know what? Part of my plan is to have everybody out there to agree with me. And if they don't like it, then, you know, I'm going to put a guarantee out there. And if they don't agree with that guarantee, well, it's going to get cashed in. But not the way they think. I was like, just just don't do it. Mr. Solbro Ryu with his comments. Who doesn't like a guarantee? I figured, you know, it'd get people to watch the show instead of listen to our show and hear us review it. So why not guarantee the show? You know, who's going to argue with the guarantee? Who would be dumb enough to do that? Especially when I'm the one giving it. And then, Yasumi Khan 2009. Okay, we have a question from Zambot. Uh, what's your name, Zambot? I'm Jesse. What's your question? Um, well, you, last year you were here, promised that Double O would be great and you'd give me a money-back guarantee on that. Yeah. I definitely want my money back. You don't like it? Damn. Damn. Tell me, tell me. Damn. Tell, tell me. Well, hold on. Yeah, 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 hey, hey, give him three hey, points. Austin's not, even, money. Austin's not even here yet, and the hate is coming yeah. out. So uh, what, now that you've brought up this subject, what didn't you like about Double O? The problem with it is, is it was Gundam Wing, which was already really, really bad, with very, very likable bad guys. But the problem is in second season, <laughs> just be like, screw it. Let's just make Gundam Wing bad guys again. And then they were like, the show went from... I was completely cheering from the bad guys, and I knew they were going to lose, but I was hoping something happened. All right. To just pretty boys running around with Gundams. My man, Jesse. Man, that brings back memories. I did come through on that guarantee, man. I, I, I took him to participate in one of my favorite pastimes. We went deep sea diving. Except he didn't have any scuba gear. Well, man, this poor guy. I don't even know if I want to talk about this, but we've all heard the infamous... Uh, guy that was dressed up as Zambot 3 and he said um, you know he he didn't agree with the guarantee of second season of Double O well I'm really not going to say but uh, guys all I know is there's a lot of there's a lot of water in South Florida that's all I'm going to say um, I'm stopping sorry Mr. Whippleton let's just say he and Davy Jones are getting well acquainted in the year 2010 Yasumi Khan did not appear in the same form that it was previous. It appeared as Yasu Light. Why, you may ask, did such a convention with an illustrious history revert down to Yasu Light? Well, let us ask the man responsible. Here now, Sol Roryu. As it turns out, I guess I didn't do enough damage after all. The Sumicon committee managed to pool enough resources and funds 
in order to do another full-fledged Yusumicon this year. But then they heard word I was coming. And these slick bastards, what they thought they would do was to go ahead and have it all, have the convention all in one day, knowing that I wouldn't be able to make it till later on in the weekend. That's all right, I'm going to get the asses next year. In his ever-increasing quest for credibility, Sobo Ryu tracked down Mr. Mark Simmons. Mr. Simmons was attending San Diego Comic-Con. Such a wonderful meeting and celebration. Mr. Simmons was featured in an exclusive interview at Comic-Con. But how did this incredible few minutes of interview and conversation come to be? Of course, on the show, we made it sound like a chance encounter. But in all truth, I've been eyeing Mark Simmons all day, and we tracked him down at that panel that we attended. The one that we recorded before we did the interview with Mark. He tried to, he tried to dodge us, man. He tried to be slick. He tried to run into that bathroom. But we stalked him out. I'm not afraid to go in the bathroom. I was about to kick the stall in when he finally emerged. Then I convinced him to take some time out and talk to us. I let Neo do the interview just to show I wasn't running things. But you know I always am. Neo with some comments. All right. Uh, after that last segment, I don't know if I can do any more of this. But this is, once again, how Soul Bro is just... I hate to say this, but he sucks. I hate him. I friggin' hate him. I wish everything on him would just... I wish he would die, but this is one of the worst things ever. Um, we went to, uh, we were in San Diego for the Comic-Con, and uh, all you Gundam fans, you, uh, you know about Mark Simmons. He's had those websites. He's, you know, he's like the number one fan of Gundam in the U.S., and um, he was at one of the panels, so we went in there. Well, what made it bad was, uh, you know, at a lot of these conventions, they have a, they have like a fire code, and if a certain amount of people get in a room, well, they stop letting people in. Well, it was a bad move for that guy that one day at the San Diego Convention Center. He said, uh, he said look, we're not taking anybody in there. This bro said, son, why did you touch me? And he said, I'm sorry, sir, but you're trying to get into something that's been locked out for the, for the remainder of the time period that's here. And it's like a bad move. So what Solbro did, he grabbed this man by the collar and stuffed him in a trash can. I've, I've never seen anybody get put into a trash can upside down. And he put the lid on this dude. And he says, do you know who I am? I'm Solbro Ryu. Capcom for life. And he walked in. He kicked a pregnant woman out of the front row and sat in her seat and said, when everybody kind of looked at him, he was like, they're like kind of shocked because you know this big imposing black dude just walks in and, and uh, you know he's like what the heck is going on and he's like look you got I didn't tell you guys to stop talking talk more about anime I was like damn this is not good so we went through this thing and um, like she could expect when the people were done they, they fled so so it was like look that's Mark Simmons I want to talk to him well he I guess he had to go to the bathroom because he was up there for like an hour or so. So he's in the bathroom. And I followed him in there and I texted Solbro. I'm like, I, I think this is the guy. And uh, so Solbro walks in, locks the door in the bathroom. And uh, poor Mark Simmons, he was like washing his hands. And uh, Solbro said, Hey, you Mark? He's like, Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Mark. What do you want? He's like, You Mark Simmons, right? Gundam? He's like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like your website. It's like, oh, oh, thanks, thanks. You're gonna talk to me right now. 
well, he's like, I'm sorry, I, I just got done with the panel. I got some things to do. I have some prior engagements, you know, but, you know, maybe we could talk later on, um, you know, tomorrow or something like that. He's like, no, I'm speaking now. And I could tell, um, I could tell Mark was scared. I mean, you see, when you see fear in somebody's eyes, you, you know, and um, so he's, he's trying to, like, dry his hands and go out the door while he realized the door is locked. And then all you heard was just the sinister chuckling, and it got louder and louder. And so he said, look, I got control of the east side of the U.S. I'm going to get control of the west side of the U.S. You anime bitches, you're all mine. So, yeah, when we, uh, when we talked to Mark, it was basically uh, Mark slammed up against the wall in, in the handicap urinal with uh, the microphone in his face and uh, for uh, for Solbro you know of course because he's good old loving Solbro to everybody uh, he made me ask all the questions and uh, yeah I, I, I think from what I heard that poor guy that was the um, you know they put in the trash can I think that guy was in a coma for like six months um, I, I think Mark Simmons filed a suit against him but uh, for mysteriously I think the suit got dropped and um you know, it's just, uh, it's just really bad. I mean, um, you know, for a guy that's so well respected in the, uh, the Gundam community to have somebody just treat him like that. And, you know, Mark's a nice guy, but Solbro, he's just, a, he's just an absolute monster. And, um, I know later on, um, you know, like the next day, Solbro was like, yo, I know where this, I know where, I know where Mark's hotel is. So, uh, we end up going over there. And I guess Mark wasn't there, and uh, he said uh, we waited there, and Solbro made a few calls. <laughs> Next thing you know, it was uh, me, Solbro, Mark Simmons, guy in a giraffe suit and a bar of soap in a in a Marriott bathroom. Not good, but Solbro, I don't know. The guy's just a monster. I mean, uh, Mr. Whipton, I can't do this anymore. He's just this is year two and it's just bringing up too much memories I, i've had too many uh, too many therapy sessions between all this and it's just starting to run as you can feel I'm, I'm i'm getting to the point where i'm rambling about this i you know i like to show but i don't want to die i really don't want to die and I, I feel in a way because i'm opening up about this my life is not going to be i'm not going to be here i'm not going to make it to 2011 I don't know. Just that stopped us. Mark Simmons was not available for comment. Indeed, Gundam's extended family is quite dynamic and just a little bit stressed. I suppose that does lend and add to the cast's character, if you will. I am Bill Whipton. You are listening to Gundam at MAHQ, and I shall return after a few words. Keep listening. Get rid of everything that creates hate. Everything that helps make it grow. Alright everyone, this is Sil Bosby. And you've heard about... Judo! Judo... Judo Washita. Judo and the Junkyard Kids. Well, this fall on WSBR, they're going to be coming to your home. Uh, annoying pest. What are you looking at? <laughs> You're being mean, Judo. 
Why won't you play with me? Judo is under my control. Join Judo as they go against all the wackiness with the Mashima and the Junkyard guy. And you learn a little things in the end. That's it. This fall, Judo and the Junkyard kids on WSBR for your DVR favorites. Judo, you just watch. I'm going to get you this time. For returning for this third segment of Gundam at MAHQ. I, of course, need no introduction. I am your friend, Mr. Whipton. Throughout these first two segments, we have seen a different angle, a different perspective of the things that have gone into creating this wonderful show. Recently, I had the good fortune of being able to sit down and speak with our three main hosts. Here now is the recording of that fateful interview. Enjoy. Ha <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you for uh, making yourselves available today. Thank you, Mr. Whipton, for being here. For allowing us in your company again. <laughs> thank you, Bill. Thanks, we, Bill. Gentlemen, we, we go back... So Bill Whipton might become Bill O'Reilly. You never know. <laughs> Answer my question. Turn down the Please, mic. Please, gentlemen, no politics. Now, let us have a conversation. Chris, how are you, sir? Um, uh, all right, I guess. Oh, all right. Well, some days are better than others. Previously, when I spoke with you, you had mentioned some of the stresses and how hard it is at times to work with uh, Mr. Solbro. Can you go into that a little bit more? I I never said anything like that. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, Chris, I, we had that conversation not too long ago. I I have the recording right here. No, I never said any such thing. No. Oh, really? Not at all. Wait, Chris, are, did, do you have a bruise or a black eye of some kind? Look, I, I just I just tripped and and fell on the stairs twice. It's 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 a bruise, okay? No nobody gave me a black eye. Why are you saying someone gave me a black eye? There's no black eye, okay? I just tripped and fell, all right? I never said anyone gave you a black eye. Okay, fine, whatever. It's an accident. Yeah, it's like you said, it's an accident. Okay, an accident. just That's an accident. Right. There's, there's there's nothing wrong, okay? That's what's up. Happen. That's what's up, Bill. All right. Well, moving on, uh, Chris. I I hope that heals up. Uh, well, it's. Starting to turn colors. I, I, I've seen better bruises after Amaro has been slapped. Look, I was just dumb, okay? I was being stupid. It was my own it's, fault, it's all right? Okay. It's okay. It's okay. Anyhow, well, gentlemen, we'll we'll move on to the uh, to the next question. This is this is a question for everyone. Within the last year, this most recent year, what would you say has been or have been your favorite segments or subjects covered? Anything that that comes up that you 
find rather memorable. Please. Solbro's analysis of Galactic Heroes. He brought a lot of insight and things that I never thought I would, that I didn't notice when I watched the show. I don't know. Um, probably the most memorable thing is the fact that we didn't have to do episode by episode uh, reviews. Uh, yes, I I do remember how that was rather taxing. Because that time. it made the show a lot more enjoyable last year. Not that it wasn't enjoyable before, but you know, just I know people when they listen to those those episodes. I know that was painful. Just think about doing them. It's probably worse. So Don't worry, they're coming back. Well, for Unicorn, but we only have to do it every every eight months. Chris, how about you? I like any of the segments that have Solbro in them, yeah. Wonderful. Solbro, what about you? Anything that sticks out? I love the segments that I'm in. Other than that, um, if you want a particular segment, I, I enjoyed the uh, the Firefly discussion. Hmm. That was a, was a good episode, man. It flowed very well. Indeed. Of course, because I edited it. I believe you covered the entire yeah, that, series. Yeah, that's something else I'd have to say. The editing of Solbro is just, I mean, the reason why I, why this guy isn't in Hollywood or, you know, doing stuff is just beyond me because you, you just do such a magnificent job. And the real reason why I wasn't in on the um, the, 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 the Legend of uh, Galactic Heroes discussion because my mic was off. I didn't realize it at the time. There now, Solbro. They had to make up a story that I wasn't there. there is, it's all a lie. There is nothing for you to prove. We were trying to cover for you, so. It's, it's quite all right. All right, thank you, gentlemen. Now, I have noticed that there has been an increase in rather uh, this discussion of rather negative emails and messages uh, either sent in your direction or at least the sentiments of fans out there of mecha anime and gunpla and the culture in general. Though some of these incidents have been addressed on the show, is there any communication that sticks out? Please remember, gentlemen, do not name any offending troll or trolls. Mm. Please. Haters. That's why I get up in the morning. I check my responses. 92% hate mail. It's great. I say, keep them coming. Anything in particular, any incidents that you have found were rather memorable? Well, all those haters are insignificant. I try to give them all equal, equal fair share in, in their insignificance. Chris? There was this guy who messaged me on Facebook about uh, a minor sound problem in one of the episodes, and I passed it along to Solbro, and, and uh, then uh, I went to contact the guy again, but uh, his Facebook was deleted, and, and I never heard from him again. So, Mysterious. I see. Yeah, I, 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 always, I always find it, I don't know, it's, I don't like talking about it, but I guess one of the things I always kind of find kind of weird is like we get like negative emails about the show or about something like the editing or something like that but um we never see those posters again or even you know even see any follow-ups even if we reply to them so it's just kind of like they disappear that is puzzling they get one huh. interesting thank you thank you gentlemen excellent chris here's a question that i'm sure listeners are dying to find out about <laughs> can you describe vividly what it's really like to live with Dennis and Senator Palpatine. And further, to expound on that question, do you, sir, know the true meaning of culture? Well, um, you know, it's it's not easy living with Palpatine because he's always trying to, to get me to come to the dark side. And he shows me brochures and pamphlets. And um, on Sunday mornings, he's always, uh, you know, walking around the neighborhood, going door to door, trying to get people to, to turn to the dark side. He's got that little magazine that those, those one, like, he people is, give you. He is rather vigilant, isn't he? <laughs> but the thing is, uh, you know, 
unlike Jehovah's Witnesses, he doesn't just go away. He, he zaps you with lightning if you say no. So um, you know, he has a very high kill rate, but he also has a very high success rate because if you manage to survive the lightning, then um, you, know, you kind of have no choice left and uh, you're going to do whatever he says. And uh, you know what, Dennis, um, I had to talk to him about culture because he's so adamant about it. And uh, if, if I say anything about culture he doesn't like, then uh, he always goes and he steals my Sam Adams. So um, just kind of stay out of his way because he already drinks enough of his own beer and I don't like it when he steals mine. But the thing is, he's an angry drunk in case you hadn't noticed. So um, I don't like being around him when he's when he's in a rage like that. He doesn't replace. I always think he doesn't replace what he drinks. Like if like if if he runs out and he sees that you have a couple in there, he never repla- offers to replace the ones he borrows off you, does he? No, he never does. He just keeps drinking and drinking more and more, and then he steals all my stuff. And I even, I even got like a locked cooler for my stuff, and he just ripped it open with his bare hands and started drinking beer. Or probably gets Palpatine to zap it with lightning. All I know is on the Mississippi gambling boat, he's a great wingman. We have to do that again, Dennis. We got to do it again. Anytime, man. Ugh. Oh, my. Those fools don't know nothing about culture. That's right. They don't even know the meaning of the word. Damn right. Chris, I should hope that your lease is up soon. These guys keep following me, so the the lease has already been out, but I I can't find any new place because they search my internet history, and and if they see me on, like, apartments.com looking for stuff, they'll be like, what's up, man? Trying to leave us behind. They're the the true version of the guy on the couch from Half-Baked. Yeah. You are in my prayers, Chris. Thanks. Neo. You've recently debuted Anime Toilet here on the show. If you could lend the concept of the Anime Toilet segment uh, to live-action science fiction shows and movies, what, in your opinion, would make the cut? Avatar, even though I haven't seen it. I know it would make Anime Toilet. I had a feeling you were (laughs) going to say that. Maybe, um, I'm sure anything that Solbro doesn't like would go in there, so... That would uh that that would be anime toilet and to be honest with you, anime toilet's not stuff that's just bad. S- stuff that Soulbro doesn't like. Oh, did I say that out loud? Good answer. I see. Sorry. Interesting. It's not us picking it, Sam. Gentlemen, thank you for that insight. Word. Adam. Yes. Mr. Soulbro Ryu himself. Who's As asking? Me. I am asking. Go ahead, Bill. As the person that pieces a show together. Or before the upload, that brings the joy to all of the listeners out there every other week. You get to hear everything recorded first. What segment or episode was the most enjoyable for you to produce? Can you recall? The, the episode I did enjoy editing the most probably was the haters panel. Really? Which ironically is the episode that's not on the iTunes uh, feed, or the RSS feed, the main one. Is that right? I had to give love to my boy Austin mm. <laughs> at the beginning mm. of it. Yo, word on the street. What do y'all think of this Austin kid? Yo, that kid's a f***ing hurt, man. I knew that kid back in high school, man. He didn't get no f***ing back then. Talks too much shit, too. Lying on his dick. That kid's a smirk. Yo, f- Austin! Well, f*** you, too. That's my grandson, and I love him very much. But he's full of S-H-I-T. Always has been, always will be. I'm sure he enjoyed that. He better. Oh, yes. Austin, he definitely does a or a service with his contributions to the show. Thank you, Solbro. You're damn welcome. Chris? Uh, yeah? Your memory of Yasumi-kan is no doubt bittersweet. If the convention were to return 
in its previous form, once again, say next year, how would you handle it differently, or how would you set up for presentations? Well, um, hey, you know, hey, I t- told you guys, uh, you screaming me on was off limits. Put the mic. What the f- did you say? So cut it, damn it. Ladies and gentlemen, my apologies for some technical difficulties. We shall continue with this conversation with the hosts of Gundam. To everyone, if you had a chance, what segment or subject would you do over? Basically, which segment do you feel had room for improvement? More improvement? I don't I don't know if anything really does. I mean, I think it's it's, it's pretty good as it is. The, right, Solbra? Exactly. The one I would improve upon is The Legend of Galactic Heroes because you know how much a bigger fan I am of that show. I've seen it 12 times. Of course. Of course. i got to get my insight in there. Mm. I can't believe your mic was turned off. Oh, I know. Man. Who knew? I was upset, man. That's Pissed me off. That's absolutely devastating for it. I love those space Germans. Equipment malfunctions can cut into the enjoyment so much. Chris? I, I kind of want to uh, do a... Uh, uh, Iron Man? Really? The Iron Man? Yeah, because if, if Solbro's okay with that. Is, is that okay? Is that okay, Solbro? No. Okay, then never mind. Well, oh, oh, all right. Well, some insight. It's okay. perfect. Yeah, okay, yeah, it, it was perfect. I don't know. I was, I was crazy. I don't know what I was thinking. It's fine the way it is. Yeah, it's good. It's probably the best. Let's just go. Let's move on. Gentlemen, the show is now three years old. Given the time spent... And shows made. Where do you all see Gundam going from here? This, of course, can lend itself from year to year as a question. But what would you like to see the show do? Any immediate plans for further development of Gundam? Solbro, do you want to take this? Well, I would first like to see a video podcast produced by the listeners. And then I would like to see Bandai willingly give us a studio show. That's what I would like to see. And it's going to happen if I have anything to do with it. I have my ways. Will we actually get paid or? No, but I will. It sounds like a discussion that uh, you all may continue to have. Chris, any insight on your end? I'll, I'll agree with Solbro and I'll, I'll try to help him out with whatever he wants to do in whatever little tiny way I can. If that's okay. Yeah, sorry about that. I, but I, I, I need, I need some money to go to the doctor because I've got this, this strange rash on my arm and it won't go away. So can I just have a little bit of, of money from the show, please? Fascinating. We'll see. But, but I need it. I really I'll, need it. I'll get back to you. It's starting to turn green and, and itchy. Space AIDS. Kind of hurts when I pee too. You got fissilus. I, I just need like five bucks, man. Can you help me out? I'll give you five cent. Make a stretch. I do hope that you get better soon, Chris. Sounds like it could be serious. I hope it's not, because I don't want to die. You'll be all right. In any case, gentlemen, I know that this is out of your regular schedule to record. I thank you very much for taking the time to converse with me here today. I wish you well, and hopefully I can come back very soon for another conversation. Save us. I, I mean, bye. Yeah, bye. Peace to you, Bill Whipton. Thank you, sir. And that was my most recent conversation with the hosts. In closing, the men of Gundam are extremely dynamic. Their their compensation minimal, as you have heard, but yet they truly are doing something that they enjoy in life. The ups and downs, the hiccups in the process, and with misunderstandings, they still 
are able to produce this show. Now that you have heard this collection of insight from all of the moving parts within the engine, if you will, it is my hope that you, the listener, have gained a greater sense of appreciation for what goes into making this podcast such an adventure. Please continue to engage in discussions on the forum, contribute to the mailbag, and suggest topics. It is all very much appreciated. And so, my final words to everyone out there, as I've mentioned previously, always compete in everything that you do. What's more, nothing ever happens if you don't swing the bat. And please, everyone do yourselves a favor and make sure that you do not befriend any young blonde men by the name of Bernie. Give it all a ponder. Good night, podcast land. You have been listening to Gundam at MAHQ. Until next time.